I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I head up Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter, where I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am lead editor of The Fifth Element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. And welcome to Digging in the Digits. Charlie, how are you? Oh, Mr. Charlie's my father's name, that's not. Um, I'm good, thanks. Well, yeah, Mr. Carter's my father's name too, and he just became a billionaire this morning, so. <laughs> Apparently. Yes, for those, for those that don't know, uh, the time of this recording, uh, early early hours in the day, uh, Mr. Jay-Z, Sean Carter, was announced as the first hip-hop billionaire, officially uh, from a monetary standpoint, which... Uh, yeah, it was a, I really thought it'd be Diddy. I really thought he would get it, but um, Jay-Z overtook him at the... Just just pipped him in the post on that one, I think. So, you know, big ups to Jay-Z on that. It's a big another, ups. another notch in the belt. It's amazing, and I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast, and they were talking about um, Jay-Z putting his, his music back on Apple Music the other day, and mm. they were saying, oh, you know, Jay's getting ready to, to get rid of Tidal and to sell it, and Rory said, no, I think he's just, you know... He's about the culture now. He's about lifting up the culture. I don't think he's about that business kind of side as much as he was. Like he used to be very ruthless with it. So it's an interesting time when he's kind of not as interested in being ruthless with his business. And this is when he becomes a billionaire. Like uh, it's mad respect. Like twenty three years since his debut album, and he's a billionaire now. Like that's crazy. That is an incredible turnaround. Honestly, it's just. Um... Another and, and just a shot to Kylie Jenner, self-made. Um, so, oh, you know, yeah, big, big up to Kylie Jenner. You got to respect the grind. <laughs> got to respect Kylie's grind, eh? Far out. Got to respect Kylie's grind. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, came from nothing. <laughs> came from the gutter. Yeah, yeah, came from the gutter. Uh, um, so what, have you blasted anything this week? I've been listening to a lot of music. Uh, I listened to Kevin Gates's new EP. And okay. it sounds like pretty much everything Kevin Gates has ever put out, but it's still <laughs> fair enough. Pretty good to vibe to. Uh, I was listening to YG's album, and I thought okay. the second half of it was really, really good. Like uh, mm. the first half, I was like, "Eh, what are you doing, man?" And then that Tiger song, the I think it's called "Go Loco," came on, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's a bit of a jam." And then it just got better and better. Uh, and then I was texting you because I was listening to the Skepta album, which I found, Yes, you know, I found a good, like I, I personally didn't grab any songs and put them on my, you know, top tracks list mm. to, to go back to, but I would go mm. back to it as a, as a fully fledged project. I think it was, it was well fleshed out and there was some great messages in there. Yeah. So Skepta's album was incredibly more mature than I think it's, he's ever been. Because uh, just me, like being a father and just like learning new things, I, th- I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's more in in a career that's only spanned like a good probably just over fifteen years. Considering that he's already at the point where he's where he's keeping it mature, but also in a, especially in, from a production standpoint, but in more of a lyrical standpoint, it's just so st- stupidly just. Uh, I, I I have some I have some knowledge to share with you right now, and you know I kind of I always always respect that kind of that kind of a 
viewpoint anyway from uh, someone who's obviously been known in the UK for a long, long time. So he's finally getting his fr- uh, fruits from that. And uh, shout out to Denzel Curry dropping Zoo. Yeah, um, I've heard that too. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's one of the things I listen to. I also listen to uh, Flying Lotus' Flamagra. Yeah, which is, gave that a spin. Which is, uh, uh, I, I, have, I have no idea. I, 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 <laughs> when it comes to like Flying Lotus and, uh, and instrumental instrumental people like that that just do these genre bending kind of things it's just it's very hit and miss for me where like i can i can understand the pushing of pushing the envelope but it's not something i'm like oh you know what i want to blast this on the regular rotation mm, <laughs> interesting, yeah. Ooh, let me blast this random wob wob uh, just going just going around in my head but no was, uh, that was okay and uh yeah shout out to denzel that was um uh, there's a there's a summer track on there. It's called Wish. It was, I was I was highly rated. And I've highly rated for the past couple of days. Absolutely banger. But um, yeah, man, that was, that was, it reaffirms my uh, what was it? Reaffirms my prediction that Denzel would uh, actually have a staying place here in the game, which um, you can you can maybe not say for most uh, SoundCloud originated rappers, but um, we that that the that progress continues, I guess. Yeah, but anyway, okay. we are talk. We, yeah. we get into the we get into the episode itself. Yeah, let's we go are for talking it. actually about. Well, I don't want to say it's my wheelhouse. It's not, but, but it's something I've been more comfortable with for the past, especially the past two episodes. Uh, uh, yeah, we're talking been, about. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's all in the. It's all in the. It's all in the. You know, the, it's all in the education, as we as we as we always say. But um, it's true. This is something that I've been kind of been wanted to talk about for for just a well, kind of when I actually when we started this podcast, to be honest, because it's just it's just one of these, you know, a big pillar that I've I've, I've said this a couple of times already, but like, but like a big pillar of hip hop for me, obviously, being the fifth element, which is knowledge and just like trying to trying to understand people's places in their communities or their lives, and obviously they do that through their music. Now, when it comes to stuff like what we're talking about this episode, which is protest music and making a political statement, stuff like that, those are something, some things that can sometimes be put in a vacuum and sometimes be put in that, put in, just put in one place where, okay, that now that that time has passed, there's no reason to either listen to that anymore or or just just because it's dropped you know what i mean just because it's dropped it's been it's, it may it may have made the charts or whatever and now we're just going not going to listen to it anymore and not actually think about the message that came along with that and how long lasting it could be so we have some uh, we have some great uh, good stats actually going for going for this episode uh, if 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 i do say so in terms of what ben's already told me before the episode so i'm excited for that but i guess we should start well <laughs> how far back do we want to go <laughs> we go all the way I guess back I... let's go all the way back <laughs> let's go all the way back to when uh, slaves did uh, uh <laughs> to started blues music that was kind of a form of protest that was a kind of statement but obviously we're not going to go there well let's, let's stick into hip-hop so i guess we can start with people like you know public enemy and nwa in obviously they were both different coasts and they were around pretty much the same time which I kind of always find fascinating of how intertwined those two acts are in how they 
not what they said, but how they approached it. Because obviously, Public Enemy, as most of us know, very militaristic. They fit that, you know, that, um, that persona of being black military, very Black Pantherish kind of esque uh, attitude. They've held that from day one, and it's obviously, you know, uh, it's obviously been an inspiration for many other artists. But then came NWA with a completely more, I guess, grounded sense of it, where they just basically said, this is what's happening, this, this is what we have to do to stay alive, basically. And you don't, we listen to that, we listen to stuff like NWA now, and it's not, sometimes it's just music to, just because it's, you know, old school music, and just, and we just mess with it. But we sometimes don't account for the political uh, undertones of it and how it links to stuff like you know the riots in south central in the 80s and all that kind of stuff we know when we listen to nwa we sometimes forget that kind of stuff and obviously we've had like the movie in the past couple of years to you know to show a bigger shine a bigger light on it but you know i I don't listen to express yourself <laughs> for the political for the political undertones but obviously some for some like straight out compton there are political undertones to that even though it's a quote-unquote gangster gangster track yeah i mean what i what, what i find interesting about this i guess because because you know this is what i want to do like this is what i, I want to do about um, with music and with numbers, I want to provide context and I want to provide like a place that people can go and say, okay, this is information and this was a point in time or this happened at this point in time and now we have concrete proof of it. And exactly. I really, really yeah. like that NWA and Public Enemy and you know Ice T and Ice Cube and all those early mm-hmm. rappers. Like, yes, there is going to be an element of we're just listening to it now because we enjoy the music and and it goes back to what you said about. Uh, sometimes this kind of music is put in a vacuum or people just put it in a kind of a time capsule. And if you didn't live through that experience, then it's harder to connect to the message. But, and that's, that's okay, because I think what Public Enemy and NWA did was, and this is why they were commercially successful, is because not mm-hmm. only did they make, and I'm not saying that, you know, all protest music or most political music is not good musically, but what they did mm. was they were some of the first to really take this to the mainstream because they married uh, political music and protest music to stuff that would, I guess, get have mainstream appeal and have widespread appeal. And this is why we're still listening to this kind of music today. And this is why hip-hop is one of the most diverse genres because mm-hmm. that's exactly what they were doing back then. You know, That's exactly the roots of hip-hop and where it began. And they became successful off that, you know, that's that that was these were some of the the commercial pioneers of the time. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, the thing that I really like about it is that music will always exist. You know, that will always be there. And if anyone is curious about what was happening in America for these uh, for these rappers and, and their communities during that time, they can always go back to this stuff. And because it's so popular and because it's blown up through the years, it's, it's so accessible and it's like, you know, I'm sure that teenagers know who NWA is. Like, you know, Straight Outta Compton came out, like, 
I just think it's great. I honestly think it's great. Like I've learned so much from from these kind of albums and these kind of artists. And so I, I just think it's really amazing that it just exists in time. And, you know, even if people aren't listening to it uh, for that message 95% of the time, the 5% mm. of the time that they are, that's knowledge mm. that is always going to mm-hmm. exist. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it kind of links to our religious bars episodes and how we took, you know, Christ, Christian, you can call it Christian hip hop if you want, but, you know, it, 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 that's, that's, if you, that's if you really want to call it that. But sometimes we just call it just just what what it is, and just uh, either hip hop or whatever that just has Christian connotations. Yeah. And this is kind of the similar thing where we have what we have some like NWA or Ice T, for a good example there, where we would call it what well, we would call it we call it gangster rap. But if you really want to, if you really want to call it political rap, then you can call it that as well. But obviously, we don't consider that a you know a straight up genre. We consider gangster rap a genre, but we don't consider political hip hop a genre, which is quite, which is kind of fascinating from one perspective. But um, obviously, hip hop and most black music, of black origin music anyway, is a form of is is, is making a statement in itself. And if oh, you, exactly. if, if if we take it to like you know to real beginning you know for have something like grandmaster flash talking about the message that in itself is a political statement saying to people that we have rats under our floors and and stuff like this and rubbish everywhere that's a that's a shot that's a political shot to whoever the new york mayor was or just you know the um or just the or just the borough of new york and and talking about that from a political standpoint so it's it's been a constant. There's been always been a constant flow in my mind of political statements being made in every era, and I think it's still obviously it's still being it's still continuing now, and I think actually political statements are becoming more of a, I would say a common, what's the word. I guess more. I just. I guess more of a common thing, a common theme. I guess where you don't. You don't have to dedicate a whole album to it. You don't have to do a public enemy and like you know just you know wear military gear and go for the whole whole spiel. You can just. You can just drop a. You can just drop a track. You could drop a single. You know of, of just talking about some political stuff going on. Uh, in the UK, actually, last year, two of my two two of my favorite tracks from last year was. Uh, Dave's Hangman and uh, Ray Black's Run Run, and both of those talked about knife crime in the UK, mm. and it was obviously very timely and very, you know, just very in the moment. I think Ray Black actually said she she did it very, she made it very quickly and didn't want you know her whole not to say that her whole her, the rest of her career is going to be about politics, but she just wanted to make that one song, and that's fine. You can make however many statements you want. Uh, just saying that you don't also have to, you know, be a public enemy and <laughs> go into full Black Panther mode. You don't have to do that. But it's great. It's great that you can, I guess, mix and match, for lack of a better phrase, in terms of how you want to make your own statement. It doesn't have to be political, obviously. And we've covered that. We've covered many of those statements, you know, in the past couple of episodes. But talking about this. 
if you if you're from a somewhere like a, from I don't know the south or the west or the east, this is why the diversity of where the music comes from in my mind is becoming increasingly more important because we're starting to hear more stories about what's happening here, what's happening there, and in America's terms anyway. Some of those things are just bleeding in together. <laughs> when you see a, I think I saw a music video, I saw a music video that was very similar to another music video. I think one was uh, Reasons Better Days, and the other one was, I forgot the name of it, but it was by a guy named J Tech. And it was very, they were very similar. Basically, or was it Katori Walker? It was one of those two. And basically, the videos were. Just a, just them on the floor dying, and they're just they're, they were just bleeding, similar to that uh, logic video the the few a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, I didn't say that one. Plug yeah. confessions of a, kid, a dangerous mind. It's just him. It's just him bleeding and rapping basically, and it's it's kind of like a similar thing. But you know, obviously those things overlap. But you can make your political statement however you want to now, and sometimes it can obviously make a impact which we'll probably get into Kendrick later on but you know you can you can mix and match with how you want to do it now you don't have to just dedicate a whole your whole career to it I mean like every, while you were talking I was like I I want to get to Kendrick and I I I'm just going to get straight to Kendrick because what you said at the start <laughs> okay, let's get to Kendrick you, what you said at the start um I wrote this down actually cuz I went through so I went through to Pippa Butterfly and looked at every bar and uh, shout out to the Genius community because I needed you guys with those annotations because, you know, there's so many hidden layers and so many hidden meanings to Kendrick's music. So many. It's so intricate. So I needed all of those annotations to actually mm. get to this number. So yeah. uh, 55.3% of every of the entire album from Kendrick's vocals is devoted to a political or socially conscious message. Now, Oof. that's a lot, right? But I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking about it, and I was uh, while I was um, while I was going through it, I'm like, this this album is so intricate, and everything he's speaking on is coming from this place that he is basically been put in, and I think this is why most of hip hop music can be considered political. Because I was thinking, you know, you could you could make a case for every bar on this album being political or socially conscious because it's coming from a specific place and that place is systemic racism and oppression in America towards African Americans and like everything all all the uh, the situations he's describing you know the the gang violence and and the poverty in his community that's coming from a system that is designed to hurt them to hurt them as a people like it's it's mind-boggling when you think about the scope of it and I was never privy to this obviously growing up where I grew up but hip-hop has exposed me to this side of American culture and it's just really really sad and depressing and awful for the people that are going through it and so I guess that's why I really like uh, the fact that hip-hop I mean if you really want to get into it like I mean we spoke about it earlier just you don't have to listen to it for this message, but this message is there. And one thing it prompted me to think about is because when I listen back to Public Enemy and NWA, and I want to ask you this, Charlie, um, I think I, I, I see those as very explicit political messages. Like they're very, mm-hmm. you know, fuck the police. Like that whole stuff to me, when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, I know exactly what you guys 
are talking about. Like, not obviously, mm-hmm. I, not not that I've experienced it, but I, I know mm. what you're trying to convey here. I, I can see the entire thing played out. Whereas when yep. I went over Kendrick's album, and you know, Damn as well. Like, Damn was twenty five percent political, but mm-hmm. I feel like the message now, the political message now, is less explicit than it was in the 80s and maybe early 90s. I feel like it's maybe more not hidden, but it's hidden behind layers of meaning and hidden behind in ways that can be taken. Uh, or if, let's put it this way. If you're listening deeper to this music, you will pick up on this message. But you can yeah. also listen to it completely on the surface level and you don't like even maybe not even have to tap into that message at all. But I feel yeah. like the music in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, within this kind of political protest genre, you couldn't do that. Like, it was just, if you were living in it during that time, you were dragged straight into the message because it was so explicit. Do you think that the, the yeah. nature of it has changed over time? Well, yeah, I think I think that for sure, actually. I was, I was actually thinking about why you, even before you asked that question of, like, the other side of the coin, where before I said that you can easily just do a song and you can make your presence felt or you can do an album and just have like little sprinkles here and there but the other side of the coin of that compared to the 80s and 90s is that there are I I can't think of many eyes apart from maybe my son that constantly have this political uh, protesting picket fence some uh, uh, kind of attitude as as pertains to their whole career i don't think there's anybody like that obviously kendrick did a a great job of it in terms of his album to pimp a butterfly but obviously he went to damn and obviously toned it down a bit and focused on different things and that's fine but i think you've really i think you've really answered it anyway just by go just by you know saying that there aren't people like public enemy there aren't people like paris that have dedicated their whole careers to being to fulfilling this ideal of militaristic or even just political statement music basically that's not there anymore and whether that's a bad thing or a good thing i'm not really i'm not really completely sure but what I will say is, in terms of the positive towards it, is that I think there are more eyes that are, I would say, aware, at least, aware of what's going on. And sometimes they would make, like I said, they would make maybe a track or an EP or whatever and you know, and make their presence felt. Obviously, the good point in terms of you know music overall is the fact that, you know, if it's if it's some wax, it lasts forever. So if you do an album or an EP or a song, saying I don't like what my police community is doing, or <laughs> or being much more explicit than that, then by all means go for it, and you can move on to your next to your next project and talk about whatever you want. You've already made your statement felt, and maybe until your if if your opinion changes, then then maybe do another one. But there aren't people of the aforementioned people we've already named that haven't dedicated their careers to it. So, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I think they're, they're just not getting the mainstream 
success that was maybe. happening in the 80s because you know you listen to yeah, maybe. Killer Mike run the jewels like good show um, good show listen to we got it uh the a tribe called quest album um mm. you know i listened to a lot of ti stuff post 2010 uh, a lot of Talib Kweli stuff and mm. uh like and 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 Meek Mill i, I got to shout out Meek Mill about this because I never yeah, used to up, really connect to Meek Mill's music. I was like, man, he's just shouting all the time, and you know, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really, I was not the in the exact same boat. <laughs> I was not in the right headspace to, to really understand Meek's uh, Meek's music. Yeah. But then when he went through his legal struggles, and now I listen to his music with new ears, and and mm. it's very, very explicitly political and socially mm. conscious a lot of the times. And maybe mm. what you're speaking about. Um, Maybe maybe the audience, like I don't want to put this on the audience, but maybe there's less of a market or it's just not as marketable because, you know, we speak about uh, Timpimpa Butterfly with Kendrick and when he performed uh, at the Grammys in 2016, that was a oh, massive God. political statement. Like God, that was so glorious. That was incredible. You know, everyone lost their heads oh. over that. And so, and, and you know, oh. there are lines on it. There are lines on that album. Like he says... Murphy's Law, Generation X, will I ever be your ex? Like, he's like, am I going to be... I want Maybe he wants to be more like Malcolm X, you know? And that whole album was just really explicit. And maybe what Kendrick was showing us, and especially going on, on to Dan, which was quite a downtrodden, uh, nihilistic... Um, I, I'm not going to say negative, but it was a bit of a... He, he sounded worn out and he sounded depressed, and maybe it was yeah, just yeah. banging his head up against the wall with with to pimp a butterfly. And don't get me wrong, that is a classic album, and it, it it broke commercial records. Like it was a huge piece of music, but it didn't it didn't signal a, like a, a musical swing towards more political music, if that makes sense. So maybe he was a little bit frustrated that he felt his message wasn't being heard by the wider audience. And it could be that the audience is just not giving these political rappers i mean he even says on to people butterfly he's like something about um conscious music and he said if that were true then killer mike would be platinum and that mm. sounded like you know frustration to me with with the audience mm. Mm. yeah but that's but let me ask you this did you want them to be like another like i guess pimp butterfly-esque um i mean I, th- I felt like good kid mad city was uh hugely socially conscious in that it came from like a, that place, and then to Pimp a Butterfly was a, a massive expansion on that. I'm not sure what I wanted from Damn. Like I don't even know what I want from Kendrick anymore. To be honest, I I just want Kendrick to to create music, and I'll see because I think he's a genius. But what I would have liked was, you know, because so I, I I did a little bit of a, an analysis for um, Pigeons and Planes after Donald Trump. Trump was elected, and I found, mm-hmm. confusingly, that 2016 mainstream hip-hop was more political than it was in 2017. Now, I, th- I would have thought that after Donald Trump got elected, there would have just been this kind of groundswell mm. of, of political yeah. music, and I, I'm sure there was, but just not in the mainstream, and I, mm. we spoke about this last week. Uh, on the the female rap podcast about how important mainstream success is, and whilst mm. 
We might turn our noses up at it sometimes. Um, I certainly used to. I used to be like, man, I don't care what charts. I, I don't care. But we have to remember that. I mean, I still don't. <laughs> but I understand. I totally get it. But we also have to remember that this is, um, you know, now that hip hop is the most popular genre in North America, this is a mm-hmm. real opportunity to educate and to, to bring knowledge to a massive, massive uh, yeah. population of people. In, in that country and the, a country I that's agree. still experiencing so much racial inequality. And so I, I guess it's a little bit disappointing. And when you run through these numbers, like I went through the top 20 rap songs via their chart peaks and only 5.6% of the music in 2016 was political and just 4% in 2017. Mm. And now mm. uh, 10 of the 13 songs out of the 40 that had political content came from Kendrick and Cole. Just, you know, so they came from two artists. And one of the songs was Tunnel Vision by Kodak Black. Like, would you pick that? Like, 18% political. And, you know, like, that was... Oh, boy. And then, and then I looked at... Um, because, you know, Eminem dropped Untouchable, which was 100% political. And it was okay. looking at police brutality. And he also yeah. dropped... That was a single that came out before the album, okay? And he yeah. also dropped Walk on Water with Beyonce that came out before the album. There was barely any political mm. content on that at all. Mm-hmm. Walk on Water charted 72 places higher than Untouchable. So I'm thinking the mainstream audience... It, maybe... I don't know. I don't know what the distinction here is. I don't know if that... Uh, because Kendrick and Cole are popular and they're, they're making conscious yeah. music, you know. And so yeah. I don't know if it's the audience's fault or rappers are a bit scared to, to put that music out there. I don't know. I don't know what the what the explanation I, for this is. I would think it's both, to be completely honest, in those two you gave. I think it's both because two points. Going back to what you're talking about, where obviously when Trump was a re- and came into office and obviously it's gone a bit down, then we would... We would we thought it would, we would think it would be higher, but obviously it hasn't. This fell. I think that's more of a because obviously there are many reasons for listening to music, and I think one of those reasons is to get away. It's, yeah, it's, it's escapism. It's escape. It's, it's escapism. So you don't. I I don't want to. I don't want to listen to someone talk about. I don't know the EU leaving. Or the quote unquote Labour Party of Australia winning. Yeah. I don't want to. Li- I would want to listen to that right now. You know, what I mean, the wounds are still fresh. I, I couldn't you. be. I couldn't be fucked. So I'm going to listen to something a bit more softer. I'm just going to listen to something that's completely nothing. I'm going to. I'm just going to listen to whatever I feel like. I'm just going to listen to some mood music. It's fine. I get that, and I think that's kind of where it's at right now. And now going back to the two to two things you gave, whether whether it's Ice being either afraid or, uh, or the or the audience just not wanting to. I think it's both. I think it's we see Kendrick and Cole as the top two. Most people put them at the top two in every in every possible category you can give them. Obviously, you throw Drake in there from a mainstream perspective. But there you go. It's probably it's, it's them three in whatever order you want to pick. And maybe Drake's the th- Drake. Drake is the third. And um. When it when it when it comes to those two, and because they are so known for being the conscious ones and the woke ones, and the ones that are trying to lead us to a better path, so to speak, uh, 
sometimes the audience just wants them. And I think it's kind of, like you said with the reference in the uh, female episode, the uh, female rapper episode uh, uh, last week, it's kind of the same thing, where it's, there can only be one. And obviously people go Drake or Cole, uh, uh, Kendrick or Cole, and we have to pick one. I'm just like, they're both great though. <laughs> Why do I have to pick one? You know what I mean? And I, I think it's a similar thing with that again, where... Just the audience either will happily take both. Obviously, that's very evident. They will happily take both. But when someone like Logic, I guess, would get con- try and get conscious with his music, it'll be like, oh, oh, here, here goes Logic again, trying to be mainstream, you corny mm. fucker. You want to be Kendrick and Cole so fucking bad, don't you? Mm. What the fuck is wrong with you? You know what I mean? It's people getting heated about Logic. Yeah, I'm just like, guys, chill. He's just trying... I get it. I and, I and you know I don't want to make this logic episode, but I I get why people hate him. I get it, and he can be corny sometimes. But you know, there's there's some there's some good. He has some good bars here and there now and again, and some good albums here and there. But anyway, I'll, I'll digress. And when when logic tries to be conscious, sometimes people can just shoot him down. And like you just said, Eminem is still doing that conscious stuff and probably being more being more conscious than he previously was, uh, depending on how you class his previous work his uh, earlier work if you class that as conscious or not but um eminem's doing that and he's you know and every time he gets an album out it's number one everywhere in the world so uh, it, it's the the there can only be one argument is something that's obviously less i guess um uh pronounced than the female uh, rapper uh, argument but I guess it's only there could be two because mm-hmm. anyone they they people won't let anybody else become that person. Then they just say, "Oh, you're a fake Kendrick or a fake Cole," and that's not healthy. That's not healthy to the to what I would like the mainstream to be in my idyllic world. That's not that's not what's that's not healthy. You you t- you should take the knowledge from from many sources. You shouldn't read just one newspaper. You shouldn't listen to just one news channel you shouldn't do these kind of things you should read from multiple sources and you should listen to multiple sources to talk to to round out your opinion and i think that's what people are doing right now trying to they can they can take kendrick or cole or both like a normal person should and anyone anybody else that tries to do it on a mainstream level they're just considered either corny or or just try or try hards basically and that's 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 not healthy yeah well eminem got totally slammed for untouchable uh like he <laughs> really exactly did. Like... <laughs> he got heavily he dragged and it was weird to me because when i was growing up i was listening to the eminem show and encore and i was like these are pretty there's some really heavy political messages on this he was going hard mm-hmm. at george w bush and I yeah. think on We as Americans, he actually was, he said, I'd rather see, well, he said he was, you know, about George W. Bush being dead, basically. And he was investigated yeah. by the FBI for that. And so, and I have the numbers, I have the numbers, like, uh, Encore was 11.2% political and the Eminem show was 7.3% political. Revival was 14.8%, but that was mainly via Untouchable and Like Home, which were both, right. uh, you know, really high. I guess this is interesting. 
just just drawing from my own listening experience, I have honestly felt that the music, the hip hop, the new hip hop I've listened to in the last 12 months, and this could just be because my eyes have been opened a little bit more and I have been more aware whilst listening. I have felt that the music has been more political over the last 12 months than I remember it being in a long time. I feel yep. that there has been more frustration. Uh, there has been more uh, push via younger artists to speak on what's going on in America right now rather mm-hmm. than... And, and it's weird that it would it would kind of sync up with how... You know, we spoke about it on our pilot podcast about how the death of the third, third verse is kind of signaling how lyricism is dying and, and the traditional aspect of content in hip-hop lyrics is being replaced yeah. by a more pop-focused, melodic sound. Yeah. yeah, And yet, I would say anecdotally that the hip-hop I'm listening to now is more socially conscious and more political than I remember it being in a really long time. And I just I find that interesting because, look, from an outsider's perspective, I am always completely shocked and aghast at the way African Americans are treated in America or, you know, the way that the police treat them. It just it blows and boggles my mind. And I was just thinking about this the other day, like and I've thought about this a lot because I was listening to TI and it might have been a couple of projects ago and he was kind of thinking like, man, if this had been happening to white people, they would have been violent about this. And I'm thinking the same. Like history teaches us that when white people have been, I guess, uh, attacked because of their race or targeted because of their race, they they respond with violence. And I have not seen that from the African-American community. I have not seen them responding with violence almost at all. I don't think I've I don't think I've seen a news story. And honestly, if it if it had happened, I'm sure it would have been reported very very widely and heavily so you know because because yeah. mainstream media is is like so you know it, it would just be it will blow up and i haven't seen anything like that yeah and so i got to show like i'm like wow how how incredible is it that that this community has not resorted to violence and instead channeled this into like artistic an artistic movement that is now the most vital and important in North America at the moment. Like that's that's crazy to me and amazing to me. And so I don't even know if I I don't know how I would respond to being in that situation. I might respond with violence. I don't know. But I just think I think it's starting to get a little bit more political and I really like that. I really do like that because I I'm frustrated and I'm not even part of it at all. Like I'm angry. Yeah. And and I don't know how the hell these these artists like I don't know how Meek sits sits in that cell knowing that he's there probably because of racism like how how do you mm. uh, man i can't even imagine how much pain that must be like it must be awful and i can understand i feel every bar he raps now because i'm like man this guy mm. has suffered he has suffered and that's that's what i think is the essence of political music and so i just i think it's increasing and i hope it continues yeah I I I would I would love to say that I would love to say that it's getting more political, and I probably I I'll probably agree with you to be honest. I don't know about it statistically, but there are increasingly more times where we just see 
where we, where we just see someone talk about politics and that maybe they haven't ever before. And yeah, there might be just a always, song. There might just be like I was yeah, it's always worth early. encouraging. Just a, just a song, you know. I just want to run through some random albums because I think I uh, think Lashmi. this is a, this is a real thing. Like I think there might just be a song thrown in there and on an album or like a verse, and and that's enough. Like that's important. And so you know, we've got four 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 by Jay Z, twenty seven point three percent political. Okay. We've got Pretty Girls Like Trap Music by Two Chains, ten point one percent. We've got everybody by logic. Stop right there. Chain two chains is getting political. Right, right there, man. Right there. And if you listen to two chains, um, if you listen to his last album, and I haven't run the numbers, but like NCAA, yep. you know, there's there's stuff on there. There's stuff on there. Um, yeah. Everybody by logic was eleven point five percent. For your eyes only ten point six percent. Tribe Called Quest's album was thirty four point three percent. So like the the numbers are there. <laughs> I'll just give you. So interesting, like, because cause cause this podcast is going to one day be renamed the DJ Khaled podcast. We've got twenty-six. Ah, we got 2016's Major <laughs> Key. 2016's Major Key was 4.8% political, but 2017's Grateful, 0.8% political. So I don't know what happened there. But, but the point remains... I mean, remains, I, have no, I have no comment. <laughs> the, point, the point remains that... Um, the point remains that, that, that there are some music just thrown in there, you know, like the, a song thrown in there. And it's important. It's always important. Everything's, you know, just even a little bit. It's important. I love how you're getting into this topic now. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. It just stoked, stoked the fire. And I'm just really just, into just, it now. Just for, pe- just, for people that, just for people that don't know, obviously, uh, for the, I, I suggested this topic after listening to a, an album called The Rise Up Project uh, by... Well, it was hosted by a DJ named Jay Period, and he's done a lot of amazing projects to do with just well, just a lot of li- great, great live shows. He had like a live mixtape he did in uh, New York and recorded that. He had people like Black Thought there. It was a, it was an amazing mixtape, and um, he did this Rise Up project that was out, that came out a few weeks ago, and that has so many just so many artists on there. It's a real good collaborative project. It's got Exhibit on there, Ferran Monch is on there. Oh man, Black Thought I think is on there. Maimouna Youssef. Um, uh, uh, I forgot the woman from uh, the Oscars. What's her name? I forgot. Andrea Day I think. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of great there's a lot of great people on there, and I gave. I, I told Ben about this and said I wanted to talk about this topic for the next week, and he was he was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll let you lead though. <laughs> I'm just gonna let just say it now. I'm, I'm just gonna lead. Yeah, I'm just gonna coming through with the stats. He's heated. He's more heated than me. Mate, uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> I mean, I've I've always been heated about this topic, but I always feel, um, you know, I'll just be honest. Like I feel underqualified to talk on it, and I understand. Uh, yeah, I just I don't feel super comfortable talking about uh, issues that face uh, black people because I'm not black. So, I, you know, but but when I, I when we jump into statistics, man, like I'm passionate about this and from afar and, yeah, I guess that's why I've, I've kind of, yeah, jumped up into it. But, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's good though. It's good. It's good. It's good you have the empathy, I get at, le- at least to, to know, to know how bad it can be and stuff like that and obviously. But even with... Um, I was gonna, I was gonna go back to something uh, about. Um, no, I've lost, I've lost my train of thought. But anyways, um, yeah, this is. This, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of lost now because uh, you've just, you, you've just, blo- you just blown this whole thing out of the water, and I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just like sitting there letting you cook, to be honest. But because yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of the, the reason why I enjoy this 
doing this pod so much is because there we you know we tackle topics that are not always they're not they're not the you know the topic of the week you know what i mean it's not so, it's not something that is in the news recently you know when we talk when, whoever whether pod, hip hop podcast you want to talk about or news site or whatever they don't they're not always talking about this kind of stuff so it's good that we shine a light on these kind of things and i'm happy that this that this episode is about this kind this kind of music because like you've already said you feel like it's growing in some form of fashion and i feel like i I kind of feel the same where everyone has a political opinion and sometimes you you can some people can consider that a bad thing but i don't really consider that a bad thing honestly because sometimes you see people with an opinion on something and it's clear it's not well-rounded enough and when you see someone like a Kendrick or a Cole or even or even a Two Chains or even a Ti that 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 was the thing I was going to talk about because Ti obviously dropped um, Us or Else a few years ago yeah and classic, that was obviously yeah. super I political that. I, I think that, that was after that was after either Ferguson or uh, some some tragedy down the south I forget, I forget which uh, apologies but um yeah he made that whole album obviously out of just what was going on in his community at that point and he just obviously put it all on wax and that's good yeah, it's that's it's great. good that at minimum people are telling their stories and at the end of the day <clears throat> poli- uh, politics in rap or protest rap whatever you want to call it at the end of the day is reality it's reality rap nwa is talking about their reality yeah public enemy is talking about yeah. a reality now Obviously, people like Kendrick can talk about reality, but also put it in in a airtight concept, and obviously that's what makes To Pimp a Butterfly so amazing, amongst other things. But the fact that people are at minimum talking about what is going on in their communities that in itself is politics, basically. That that mm. in itself is a is political rap, is mm. is protest rap. Someone saying that this is going on in my community is protest is is politics yeah. and it's telling and it's telling the the powers that be in that area whether it's the whether it's your town or county or country it's, it's telling them something and the more people that listen and the fact that some of this only a small minute minute number of these projects or songs are becoming mainstream every one of those is a good thing and it's always a step forward into the overall conversation of whatever the topic is and if we did the way it's it's a balance it's yin and yang you can you can have these hardcore political statement songs but you can also have these you know bubblegum just talking about nothing (laughs) pop it's fine and everyone has a place and i think that's why we always you know try and encourage that especially for this podcast in the previous episodes that there are always two sides to every coin and this is no different but i feel like the reason why you think that politics or protest in rap is becoming more evident is because we are getting more of those snippets more snippets maybe we don't have the people like public enemy to dedicate their whole careers to that kind of to that kind of ideal but it's good that even some mainstream artists are even dedicating either a song or an EP or an album to 
a certain topic going on in their community and that in self that itself is more than enough and creates conversation so yeah you know to any artist to do that is gets respect immediately in my book because you are saying you care and whether you take out your whole career to talk about the uh, uh, the the top two money and bitches if you want to go through that whole your whole career that's fine by me but the fact that you did that one song if it was that one song is good enough and shows to me that you can that you are that you are you have a pulse <laughs> you have a pulse on what's going on in your community and that's that's great that's great and that's great in my book it's always positive yeah there's two things i just want to mention uh before the end of the podcast and get your thoughts on or the first is just i want to but because what you said during that, and, and I thought a little bit while you were speaking about how important it is to be aware as listeners, and we've spoken about this before, and if we do, yep. you know, we spoke about this again on the review podcast about reviewers giving us another angle and new ears to listen to music. And if we're listening to hip hop music with these ears and looking for this social and political content, it's there. It's there. Maybe we missed it before because we weren't being conscious of it, but it's definitely there. So... One thing that's well, was really interesting, I went through the the first 30 hip-hop songs to hit the Hot 100 Top 10. So this runs from 86, 1986 down through 1993. Now, the okay. first hip-hop song to ever have explicit political content to hit the Top 10, This let me count this out. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. It was a ninth song. It was Prey by MC Hammer, which was speaking about poverty. Oh, in- yes poverty in his okay. community mm-hmm, yeah i'm gonna hit you with the second one and it's gonna be interesting it was wild side by marky mark and the funky bunch <laughs> now they were talking about police uh racially profiling african americans wow. 11 bars 11 bars out of 71 wow now the first song to, like hit, to hit the top 10 uh, Hot 100, first hip-hop song with heavy political content. Now, I told a few people this last night. I ran outside and I told my housemates, they're like, guess what, guess what? They're like, what? I'm like, you know, Baby Got Back by some Mix-A-Lot? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's a political song. You know that, right? And they're like, what? I'm like, yes, yes. 89 bars out of 96, oh, 92.7% of that. Because that song, uh, Mix-A-Lot... So you know, you listen to the the thing at the start, and they're talking about the the difference um, in physique between African American yep. women and white women, and yeah. and the whole song. I I don't have it in front of me, but from memory, it was Mix a Lot's girlfriend at the time. I think she was being turned down for uh, modeling jobs or acting jobs because of her body, and there was this rhetoric at the time and this this stereotype that all models had to be like super skinny. And it was quite a, you know, there was heavy racist undertones in that in that policy, and so so Mix a Lot just hopped on it, and Baby Got Back is is a political song. Like genuinely, I went through the lyrics. I'm like, yeah, this is this is a political political message. So I thought I'd just put that in there. That's an interesting aside. Um, but what I wanted to ask you before the end of the podcast <laughs> is about something that we have. It's always been bubbling under the surface because I always always address it for some reason and it's never been the right time to talk about it but let's talk about drake and let's talk about artists who have a huge platform and refuse to use it for hip-hop uh sorry here we go refuse to use it for now 
let me get these numbers up because the numbers are crazy. Um, here we go. Here we go. Now Drake's Drake is undisputedly the biggest artist in America right now. I don't care. Like Adele's not on the radio as much. Taylor yeah. Swift's on a downturn. Drake is absolutely killing it. Now let's have a look at the political and social con- socially conscious content of his albums. Thank Me Later, 0.3%. Take Care, 1.4%. Nothing Was the Same, 0.6%. If you're reading this, it's too late, 1.4%. Views, 0%. More Life, 0.3%. Scorpion, 0.3%. Out of a total of 7,063 bars, 40 of them were political or socially conscious, 0.6%. Now look, I'm, you know, I know Drake's from Canada. And I don't, I don't really know what to say about these numbers. Honestly, I, I just have been presenting them on Twitter, and, and people have been making up, you know, like giving me their opinion. I, mm-hmm. I, I just, and a lot of people are like, you know, we don't go to Drake for that. We don't want Drake to do that. And I, I agree with that. Like as you said earlier about escapism, and uh, do you really like? Are you really going to Drake to listen to for socially conscious content? I don't know. I, I don't think I would. But at the same time, a lot of people are like, man, he is the biggest artist. He has a huge platform. He could really promote change and, and provoke change. Like, should he be doing more? And so I guess my question to you is, what do you think about those numbers? What do I think about the numbers? Well, for one thing, I'm not surprised. Really yep. not surprised at all. Yep. And see, this is the this is the... This is the interesting conversation I've come across so many times where I'm just like, yeah, of course, nobody wants to go there to... to, At this point in in Drake's career, there's no point. (laughs) There really is no point. And I think it's to do with... Excuse me. I think it's to do... I, I, I actually genuinely think it is because he comes from Canada, not to shit on Canada, but... He clearly comes from a background where he hasn't had any traumatic experience as it pertains to either race or whatever. And obviously, I'm speculating here, but the, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, you know? I mean, if the ingredients for your career and your albums have been this, where there's no political bar, where there's barely any political bars, then you're basically saying to me that. You haven't, you ha- you haven't seen much, and that's fine. I get that. No, mm. That's that's completely understandable. If you haven't gone through trauma in the way that a Meek Mill has, or a well, anyone we've named during this episode, yeah, if you yeah. haven't gone through that kind of trauma, then you you you, I guess you you shouldn't talk about it because you you haven't experienced it. Now, if you want to go vi- vi- vicariously through someone, then I guess if you want okay. to, sure. That's the art of that's a that's a story that's a you know that's how storytellers tell stories. Sometimes it's not from a person; it's something. It's just from another. It's from another person. So, if you want to do that, then sure. But Drake isn't a person that has obviously been through that much to the point where he has to talk about it. It's not burning in his soul, and that's fine. That's, that's not if if we're not looking him for that, we're not looking to him for that. What I will say. Is that it's unfortunate that people are? Do I am I defending Drake? 
Do I sound you, like I'm defending Drake here? You are defending Drake. You are, you have um you've yeah you've constructed battlements and you've hidden huh. Drake behind them and you continue to build huh. them higher and I'm I'm interested to see how high they'll go. So please continue. <laughs> oh, shut up! Oh, but this is, this is absurd. What is this podcast coming to? Um, I guess yeah, fine, okay, yeah, sure. I'm defending him. Yeah, I'm no, not. I agree. I'm agreeing no, with you. No, I'm, I'm agreeing. No, with nobody's you, looking to him. Nobody's looking to him for that. And that's yeah. fine. Now yeah, I can sure. go at I can I can get at the audience for saying you shouldn't have made this dude famous in the first place for whatever reason. Then sure, yeah, I'll go with that as well because I do believe that. But <laughs> I'm not looking to for that because clearly it's not hidden his makeup, and yep. that's completely fine. It's it's just, it's the same with many other many many other pop artists or you know some maybe some hip hop artists, not many of them, but some and. That's just how it is, and he just so happens to be the most famous hip hop artist in the world right now. That's just how the cookies have crumbled. They've crumbled fucking annoyingly, but they have crumbled in that fashion, and that's how. That's just how. That's just how it is. Yeah, I'm agreeing Nobody's with you. To him for that. I'm agreeing with you, and I think you've definitely changed my perspective on it just in that in that short amount of time because I've never really, I've never really, uh, I guess, entertained other opinions. I was always. Like, if Drake has a platform, I feel like he should be using it, um, you know, selfishly from my perspective, like, the way I want him to use it. You know, he should be speaking about yeah. things I care about. And oh, but, yeah. but but you're right. And I was reminded of the criticism of Eminem uh, with Untouchable, and a lot of people were saying, look, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you haven't... This is not... You haven't experienced this. You're speaking on... And, and while I, I totally commend Eminem for doing that song... Um, I'm not sure how tone deaf it was or whatever, but the, just approaching the topic, I'm glad that he at least tried. But I did hear the criticism was like, you don't know, you you didn't experience this, so I don't think you can speak on it. And that's not a debate I really understand enough to get into. I don't know if he should have done it. I don't know if he shouldn't have. I'm not sure, but. It it definitely pertains to to Drake in this sense and and what you're saying. If if that's not his his experience, then and we we spoke about this on the Unicorn podcast about creating art from your from the soul and the heart and and being yep. honest and true, and then people will gravitate yep. towards that. And so if that if that's not Drake's lane, that's not yep. his lane, you know. And nope. fair enough, fair enough. No, I think you've 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 done well there. You've definitely changed my opinion on it. Well done. Thanks, great. I'm, I'm so I'm so ecstatic to defend Drake. Now, just just to balance just to balance anything out, he he is a positivity leech, and by that I mean he will happily you know take everything positive about a certain culture, take your pick, and not take in all the trauma of that of that genre. And that's something I will say just to balance it out because that is a thing as well that he can he has obviously done this thing where he's jumped from genre to genre the in and put a hip-hop spin on it and he's just taken the positivity out of those things he's taken something from like uk rap and doesn't talk about knife crime you know what i mean so while i do while i'm fine with the fact that he doesn't talk about trauma because he hasn't had any that we know of he goes to other genres and other countries and then just takes the positive vibes off that particular sound, and that's something I don't don't condone at all. So just just to just to round out my opinion there, just wanna okay, just yeah. wanted to round that out because 
can't be too positive about Drake, can we? Um, no, but that's an important a... side of it. That's a very important side <laughs> yes. that, that people I don't so, don't yes. always remember. So yeah, that's yeah, great points, great points. Yes. So <sighs> we should end it there. Move on to a lighter note. Uh, I've actually got two like quick quick ones just to. Well, I'm very excited. Well, one's more of a one's more of a you know news item. Of, obviously, iTunes is going to die in a couple. Mm. Of, I think it's in a couple of weeks or rest in peace. How, how, however long, and that's just gonna that the amount of ramifications that could have to obviously streaming and that's another that's another dent to uh, to uh, artist sales. You know, iTunes obviously is a big big thing for for artists. Obviously, buying their albums outright. So obviously that's gone, and it's just gonna be streaming on Apple now. So well, I thought I thought not to cut you off, but I thought yeah, that yeah. they were gonna continue. I'm not sure, but I just read that they were gonna continue digital downloads via them, oh, just okay. the straight music app. So oh, okay, I don't think they're. I think they're just killing. I'm not 100 percent sure, just the but name? I think they're just killing the app. I think they're gonna integrate okay. it all into Apple Music. Okay, remove all that mm. then. <laughs> <laughs> clearly didn't read but, but, that. No, but it's right because because it might not be as drastic as that but i think it is heading in that direction where and and apple have been saying this for years that they will get rid of these uh mm. digital downloads at some point mm. and it's sad you know there's still Bandcamp out there and there's still other yeah. ways to to get digital copies but yeah. um and and i see this in like the pure sales ratios and and pure sales digital sales are part of that and that is just diminishing so quickly and to integrate it into the the Apple Music app, it's just another example of streaming taking over everything. So, I think it's it is as not quite as bad as um, you thought, but I think it's definitely heading in that direction. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And actually, moves on to my second light note, which is actually just a just a just a big up to vinyl. You know, just just big up vinyl because hey. a, a few a few days ago, I uh, I saw on my IG that uh, I bought my first four vinyls three years ago and. It's obviously come to now, and I have uh, obviously much more appreciation, much more larger appreciation for you know hard copies and just having something physical. And there's obviously a minor stigma that's I think I think dissipating now, where when someone under the age of thirty five buys vinyl, they're just considered hipster and just like oh you're a douchebag yeah. and stuff like that. One just dream it. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that is obviously very negative towards not just whoever buys vinyl but for rice as well because that's their bread that's their bread basically you're saying now fuck their bread let's uh let's just stream it and i feel like obviously for something like itunes to maybe starting to uh, wash away and starting to fade out hard copies are going to obviously become more and more relevant and more and more important in my mind for the growth of the ISU support or just ice in general or music in general is important and I would just I just wanted to big up just vinyl in general and anyone that buys vinyl and even CDs or cassettes even you know if you buy hard copy you are a superstar basically that's just what I wanted to say so yeah it's just this whole idea of you're a hipster if you buy vinyl and all this stuff like i've been collecting vinyl since i was 13 and i've got a pretty like sizable collection and there was a point where and i've got a massive cd collection i've got about 800 cds and there was a point where i was like hiding them away in my my cupboards because i wanted (laughs) it was like at one point vinyl was cool and then like it it immediately overnight apparently it wasn't cool anymore and it was like 
a stereotype. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to be, uh, I guess, in that stereotype. And, and I felt quite insecure about it. But now I've, I redid my room last year and I've just got it all on display. It's so glorious. I love vinyl. It, like it's like, I used to love album art. And to get a giant thing of the album art I love, I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> yeah. so cool. And I just display it, man. I just display it around because, you know, what, yeah, we listen, like, like what we listen to, and this is the thing about the lack of physical copies now that really, I guess, disappoints me. A lot of the time, we're very proud of what we listen to. And, and it, it doesn't define us, but it does maybe give us, uh, I don't know, it, it just gives us something. And and I wrote an article for Central Source about uh, band merchandise and how important they were and how, you know, just wearing a shirt from an, an, an obscure artist that you really like, not ironically, not to get, you know, not to be cool, but just because you <laughs> like that artist. Yeah. Like, it's important. You yeah. could see someone on the street wearing a, a shirt from an artist that you thought was super underground. And you could be mm-hmm. like, man, that's fucking cool. That guy likes that that artist too and maybe you could go up and talk to them about it and so i feel the same with physical copies like you know displaying them and posting pictures of them like i don't know it's just it's it's weird that we're just going towards this digital no physical like i i lived off physical copies for so many years and i hope i hope that they don't go away completely but you know like i don't know it might might happen one day like it's probably expensive to press up all these records and ship them out yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly. I, I I do I do wonder about that. Of just, is it even, you know, a, a, from a just a business perspective, is is it even smart to do physical copies? But hope. But for the for the eyes that do do them, salute to them. And I will. I, I'm trying to stack people. I'm trying to stack. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Stack it up, man. Stack it up. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying my best. But other than that, it's all good. It's been a good episode. And uh, yeah, we'll end it there. I have been Charlie Taylor for the Fediment. Uh, ben Carter from Hip Hop Numbers. And we shall see you next week for whatever we're going to talk about next. <laughs> All right. Uh, take, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for this show, peeps and video games by bonus points. Thanks to Joffa Breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip-hop by numbers, bonus points, and Joffa Records will be in the description wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast network and hip-hop by numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us, and we shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. <laughs> <laughs>